Welcome to the sermon webcast of Good News Lutheran Church of Mount Horeb, Wisconsin. The following sermon was preached on Sunday, November 19th, 2017, on the basis of Matthew 25, verses 14 through 30. If you had been paying attention, you would have woken up on the morning of Friday, October 27th, with some pretty good news. You see, fresh off announcing higher-than-expected third-quarter earnings, the online retail giant Amazon had their stock prices go up overnight by about 10%. Maybe that doesn't sound like a whole lot, but if you owned even just a, a couple of shares of Amazon stock, that would have meant earnings in the hundreds of dollars for you. Not bad, right? And yet, of course, that doesn't compare to the good news that Jeff Bezos woke up to on that same Friday morning. If you don't know, Jeff Bezos is the founder and CEO of Amazon. He is Amazon's largest shareholder. And so that 10% overnight increase meant that Jeff Bezos' net worth went up by just shy of $7 billion dollars. It meant that his total net worth now exceeded $90 billion. And it meant that he surpassed Bill Gates as the wealthiest man on planet Earth. Now that's not bad for one evening. Here's the question I want you to think about. If all of the sudden there was some widespread, devastating catastrophe maybe a mysterious disease that is spreading through the population, maybe a threat to our food or water supply, maybe an energy crisis just as winter sets in, the kind of threat that put millions of people, their lives at risk, and called for heroic efforts to try to solve, who would be a better person to call? Who would be a better person for the job? Jeff Bezos or you. In all likelihood, we can be very thankful, of course, that none of those three things is probably going to happen in the coming week. And yet in the coming week, in ways that are arguably smaller and yet no less significant, each one of us wants to know that our lives are making a difference, that we are having an impact, that we bring and we do good to the people who are around us. And we tend to think that a person's ability to do those things is directly connected to how much money they have, how intelligent they are, how much time they have on their hands, and how many people with influence they know. And yet throughout this series, we have seen that the Christian life is lived in between. In other words, that there is a space, there is a gap, there is a disconnect between appearance and reality, and we're going to see that again today. We're going to see that when it comes to making a difference, the most important thing is not your net worth, it is not your IQ, it is not how many friends in high places you know. Rather, as we look at this parable from Matthew chapter 25, we're going to see that the difference in making a difference is something, well, different. The parable that Jesus uses to teach us this is about three servants. And right away, even a a cursory reading of this parable would maybe lead us to think that it's easy to spot the difference 
among these three servants. Each one of these three servants served the same master. Just before going off on a a long journey, the master decided that he was going to entrust his wealth to these three servants. Even while he was away, he wanted his estate to grow. He wanted his business to improve. And so he entrusted his wealth to them. He invested in these servants. So what was the difference among the three of them? Well, we might be tempted to think right off the bat that the difference is in the amount that each one of them was given. You heard that one was given five bags of gold, one was given two bags of gold, one was given one bag of gold. Certainly the one with five bags of gold had an advantage over the other two, correct? Well, not so fast. Even though each one of them was given a different amount, each one was given that specific amount based on exactly the same standard. Each one's amount was according to his ability, Jesus said. In other words, each one's amount was just right for him. Not too much, not too little. We might also think that the difference among these three servants is in what they produced with what they were given. In other words, with the results. You heard how one servant earned five more bags of gold, another servant earned two more, and for the third servant, the net earnings was zero. In fact, he buried his gold in the ground and simply gave it back to his master when he returned. Certainly the person who gained five bags of gold did the best job, right? Well, again, not so fast. Notice how even though the first person gained way more than any of the other two, the first two were both given the same judgment, the same assessment. Both were deemed to be good and faithful servants. And even with that third servant, even though his net earnings were zero, that is not the worst thing he could have done with his master's money. He could have invested it poorly and lost it all. He could have simply stolen it or spent it. At the very least, he kept it safe and gave it back to his master when he returned. No, the difference, primarily, is not in what each one was given. It's not in what each one produced. The difference was something different. And when the master returned and called each servant to account, especially when that third servant was asked to explain his actions, that third servant made it crystal clear what the difference was. He said this, Master, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. Did you hear it? In this parable, we have two servants who view their master as kind and good who view his investment in them as a gift and a blessing. And then we have a third servant who views his master as harsh and demanding, who views his investment in him as a chore, a burden, and a curse. That's the difference. The difference is what servants think about their master and what they think about the fact that he has invested in them. So how do the servants think about their master and the fact that he has invested in them? I probably don't need to tell you that in this parable, Jesus is the master. He's the man who's gone away on this long journey, and we are his servants. 
even though he's gone on this long journey, he wants to see his kingdom grow. He wants to see his kingdom expand. And so just like the man in the parable, he has entrusted the riches of his kingdom to us. Those riches, yes, they include our money. They also include our time and our energy. They include our specific temperament and personality. They include our relationships, our responsibilities, our sphere of influence with other people. Jesus wants us to use all of it in the interest of his kingdom. He invests in us. So is that master harsh and demanding or kind and good? Is that investment a chore and a burden or is it a gift and a blessing? Have you ever thought to yourself, boy, I wish Jesus would kind of just leave me alone. Time is valuable. Money doesn't grow on trees. It's not like Jesus needs those things from us, so why does he ask for them? Why can't he just leave us alone to do with them what we want? Friends, realize that Jesus is not putting you to work in his kingdom with what belongs to you. He's putting you to work in his kingdom with what belongs to him. He's not asking for what's yours. He's giving you what is his. And in fact, he doesn't just give you what you need to go to work in his kingdom. He also gives you above and beyond for things like deer hunting and watching football and staring at the screen on your smartphone, correct? Have you ever thought to yourself, it doesn't seem like Jesus has given me the right amount. I mean, sure, people who have lots of time on their hands and lots of money to spend out of everything that they use those things for, they ought to be a little bit concerned about Jesus and his kingdom. But even if I was concerned the way Jesus wants me to be, I I just don't have enough. Friends, realize that Jesus does not ask you to work with what other people have. He asks you to work with what you have been given. And what you have been given is exactly the right amount. Not too much, not too little. Each according to his ability, correct? Have you ever thought to yourself, even when you try this, it doesn't make a difference? Your plan to read your Bible each and every morning didn't really seem to help at all. Your firm resolution to have devotions around the dinner table each evening seemed to result in just more arguing and bickering among the kids than there was before. All of those conversations that you had with someone about Jesus, all of those times you spent inviting them to church didn't seem to go anywhere. Friends, realize that what Jesus has entrusted you with is not worthless garbage. It's gold. It has intrinsic value. It has incredible earning power. In fact, it has more earning power than Jeff Bezos and his $90 billion. In fact, let's compare it to the stock market. You go check your stock portfolio each and every day. Sometimes it's hard to see what's happening, right? It's hard to see the growth, but you go back after months, you go back after years, and that's where you can really see the growth that has happened. Or let's be honest, maybe it's at times that Jesus tells us how he wants us to make a difference. And we think that the way we would really like to make a difference is is just something different. Maybe at times more important to us than advancing the kingdom of God is advancing our own careers or advancing our children in all of the ways that we want them to learn and grow. 
maybe at times making the name of Jesus widely known just isn't as important as our own name, our own reputation, our own popularity. Maybe at times what Jesus says about the faithfulness of our service just doesn't matter to us as much as what our report card says or what our resume says or what the mirror and the bathroom scale say. Friends, realize that when Jesus asks you to go to work in his kingdom, it's not less than what you want for yourself. It's actually much, much more. When Jesus tells you to go to work in his kingdom, he's not asking you to give something up. He's asking you to make an upgrade. Jesus wants you to be a part of a kingdom that has perfect joy, that has unbridled pleasure, that has immeasurable wealth, and one that has no boundaries, not space, not time, on any of those things. And in order to make that happen, do you know what Jesus did for you? He left the place where he was already enjoying all of those things perfectly, and the master came here to be our servant. The master came here to take each and every task that we had not completed and to do it for us. The master came here to take every task that we had so badly botched and pay its consequences. In order for us to be a part of his kingdom, the master took the places of the servant. And do you know what? It brought him such joy. It gave him such a thrill that he wanted to share it with us. He wanted to invite us to be a part of the greatest rescue mission the universe has ever seen, far more important than some mystery disease, some threat to our food and water supply, some energy crisis, the rescue mission of expanding the kingdom of God and bringing more and more people inside its borders. Friends, our master is not harsh and demanding. He is good and kind. His investment in us is not a chore, not a burden. It's a gift and a blessing. He's proven that. Realizing it, that makes the difference. That's the difference when it comes to making a difference. And it's not only the difference now, but it will also be the difference on the day of his return. That's where the parable closes. The master comes back and holds each servant to account. You heard what happened. The servants who were good and faithful were given even more than what they had been given. And the one servant who was wicked and lazy, what he had was taken away and he was banished from the master's presence. In fact, in the process, Jesus stated that this is a general rule for how his judgment will go. He said, whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. The rich get richer and the poor get poorer. That doesn't sound very nice, does it? Even if Jesus is kind and good now, it sure seems that on Judgment Day, he's going to be harsh and demanding. One more time, not so fast. Realize that in this parable, all three servants, when the master returned, got exactly what they wanted. That one servant who viewed his master as harsh and demanding who viewed his investment in him as a chore and a burden, he got exactly what he wanted. He wanted nothing to do with his master. He wanted nothing to do with his work or his wealth, and he got exactly that. that those riches that he had been given, that he viewed as such a, a burden, such a chore, well, they were taken away from him. 
And that master that he viewed as so harsh and demanding, well, he never had to see him again. And that's what will happen to those who view the master and the master's work in that way. But as for those other servants, boy, if you need any more reason to think that the master is good and kind, after giving them what was his, after giving them just the right amount, after giving them something that has incredible value and earning power, after giving them the privilege of putting it to work in the most significant way that a person possibly can, he rewarded them for it. He will reward us for what was a gift from him all along. After giving and giving and giving, when he returns, he will give us even more. That's who your master is. That's what your master is like. In other words, he's already proven it once. And when he comes back, he's going to prove it again. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information about Good News Lutheran Church, visit www.goodnewslc.org.